The book of Philippians uh, is a book focused on having joy while serving Christ. And each Christian should be filled with joy. Understand joy is not an emotion. Uh, Joy is very much like love. It is a choice we make. What is joy based on? Joy is based on Jesus. It's based on the, the, the fact that he died and rose again for our sins, that he's coming back, that he has everything under control, and we don't have to worry about what tomorrow holds. Now, all of us would agree with that. What we should also agree with is that often that's not our focus. We get focused on, oh, you know what's happening over here with China? And did you see the news? And what about this hurricane? And did you hear about this, what happened up the road here? And all the craziness in our own country. And I agree with that. But if Jesus is the one that's in control, why are we so cranked up about it? Now, I don't recommend burying your head in the sand. That's not profitable either. All I'm saying is that when we focus on serving God, joy is part of our life. You see, our example for service uh, throughout Scripture and throughout history has been our Savior. And when we refuse to have the joy that we need and to give God the glory that He deserves, our service is hindered. I'd like to speak to you this morning about walking worthy of our salvation. Now, if you know your Bible, you understand that Jesus Christ paid it all. There is nothing we need do to be saved except for except his gift of salvation. Ephesians chapter 2 makes it very clear. There's no work we can do that can get us into heaven. It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ. But that being said, we ought to walk worthy. Let's read here, starting in, in Philippians chapter 1, verse number 23. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 23, the Bible says, For I am in a strait betwixt two. I've heard the expression, a rock and a hard place. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I'm, I got two bad choices. All right? when, you, when you hear his choices, you'll agree. He said, I'm, I'm in a strait betwixt two, having desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. He says, my first thing I'd like to do is leave y'all and go to heaven. That's a good choice. But look what he says. Nevertheless, to abide with you in the flesh is more needful for you. You see, the apostle Paul had a desire to teach. He had a desire to express the truth of the gospel to the people he was writing for. And he said, I'd love to go to heaven. That'd be a, that'd be a good choice, but it's better for you that I don't. Why? Look at verse 25. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Pay attention to verse 27. Only, so Paul's saying, okay, focus on this one thing. Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That word becometh literally means that your conversation bring honor, is worthy of the gospel of Christ. We'll come back to that. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them 
an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which he saw in me and now here to be in me. Father, would you speak to our hearts this morning? Lord, if, if you don't speak through your word, we've wasted our time. And Father, we desire to hear from you. Lord, if we're right with you, we came this morning to see you do something in our life. We didn't come to have our uh, ears tickled or our ego stroked or uh, just to hear a nice message. Father, we desire to hear from you. And so, Father, would you speak through me? Uh, Father, I am not worthy, but you are. And so, Father, would you, would you use uh, your word to speak to each heart this morning? Father, would you be with our pastor? And then, Lord, would you, would you use this day to bring much glory to your kingdom? Lord, we love you. We thank you for your son. Be with us now. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I'd like to speak to you uh, <clears throat> regarding this idea, being worthy of the gospel of Christ. There's a couple of things we need to clarify as we begin here this morning. Um, you will forgive me most of the times I speak in public are to young people. And so I'm constantly questioning myself, do they know what this word means? Okay, if you have young people, you know exactly what I, what I just said. Right? They have to speak the language, as it said. So this, in verse number 27, the Bible references something called our conversation. Our conversation is not words. We're not talking about an exchange of words and ideas between two people. That's a conversation in, in, in our modern dialect. But when we talk about a conversation in the Bible, it quite literally means the sum total of our existence, our lifestyle. What do people think of when they think of you? Your conversation defines for us what you value, what means the most to you, and what you're spending your time on. All right? You can learn a lot by talking to people. Right? Some of you are, are, are like, uh, well, let's back up and say it this way. Some of you are extroverts. You enjoy social interaction. You like talking to people. Right? And that's good. We need people like that. Other people are introverts. You don't like social interaction. You just as soon stay at home. All right? And those people are necessary, too. I have bad news for you. I tend to be an introvert. All right? You say, Mr. Davies, you're a principal of a school. You teach for a living. How can you be an introvert? Just because I do it doesn't mean it's my favorite thing to do, okay? <laughs> All of you go to work. It's not your favorite thing to do. We understand, all right? But do you understand that whether you're an introvert or extrovert, and God made you that way, by the way, that doesn't change our requirements to him. It doesn't change whether we're responsible to give the gospel. You say, Mr. Davies, you don't understand. I get scared talking to people. Amen. You should. We're handling, we're, we're handling the eternal word of God. We ought to be, as the Bible says, in fear. Not afraid of what will happen, but understanding the weight of what we're doing. And when we talk about our conversation becoming the gospel of Christ, what are we referring to? Does our lifestyle, does our attitude, does our actions lend credibility to the cause of Christ? Or does it detract from the cause of Christ? You say, well, Mr. Davies, we're here on Sunday morning. Why are we even talking about this? We're in church. Doesn't that help the gospel of Christ? Well, it does. 
But for 22 years, I came to church every day, every time the doors were open, I should say. And I came up on the platform and sang in the choir, and I took the offering back when we took offerings. I did all these things, and guess what? I didn't know who Jesus was. So just saying, well, I'm here is not good enough. Saying, Mr. Davies, I got up and I shaved. I put on an, I, I, my outfit all matches. My children are here. I am present and not asleep yet. You should be happy I'm, I'm present. I understand. But that's not enough. That's not enough. You see, every step that we take every day reflects on our Savior if we're saved. Every reaction we have, driving down the highway. I always end up talking about that. Why? Because, Brother Helms, very few people drive like they're supposed to, according to my standard of what driving like you're supposed to looks like, okay? I'm not, no, I'm not going to chase it. But you know what? You know what, what? you know what we're saying? Well, Mr. Davis, nobody saw me fuss about that guy on the highway yesterday. You're right, except for God and the people in your car. And I have children in my car most of the time. They know my children are going to learn how to drive like. And not just this kind of drive, the attitude behind it, right? Is that worthy of the gospel of Christ? You see, unless I'm willing to be honest with myself, I'm never going to have a lifestyle that brings honor and glory to Christ. And so this morning, I would like to talk to you about that. Why? Because God, God has worked me over about this. And this, this is, uh, it comes down to, and we'll reference this at the end, it comes down to whether, are you being or are you doing? This is spiritual splitting hairs. So if you get confused, don't, don't be upset. All right? The Bible says we're supposed to do by your works. We prove our faith. We're supposed to be active for Christ. Amen. But where do our actions come from? Do our actions come from, well, I'm supposed to be here, present and accounted for, in my attire, with my Bible, I'm present. I'm doing. I stand, when we have the songs, I stand and I sing. Uh, We sing all the songs, we're so happy. At least that's what we're telling ourselves. And you know what we find out? There's a group in the Bible called the Pharisees that they did all day long, every day. You know what the problem was? It wasn't that they were doing the wrong things. They were doing what was right, but they weren't being. You see, a lifestyle that honors God does not begin with my actions. It begins with my heart. And if if I'm not being before I'm doing, I am a hypocrite. Now, before you get offended that I just called you a hypocrite, me too. I'm a hypocrite. Right? If you've had children, they're called hypocrite accountability partners. That's what they are. Well, Dad, you said. Yes, I know, but that's not what I meant for right now. We're doing it differently now. Okay. As we look at, as we look at seriously, as we look at the scriptures, it's so important for us to understand God has a plan for our life, and that plan does not begin with, well, what is my calling? The plan of God on our life begins with what is my relationship with him. 
And if my relationship is not right, my actions may appear to be right, but they will be works of wood, hay, and stubble. Things that don't yield eternal results. And so as we look at Philippians chapter 1 this morning, I want you to understand that the Apostle Paul was focused primarily on one thing. I need to be right with God. You go back and uh, we, for the sake of time, we won't. But later on, don't do it now. But later on, you can read the first half of Philippians chapter 1. You know what you find out? There were people, excuse the term on Sunday morning, who were being jerks to Paul. All right? They were preaching the gospel so that he would get punished more. They're like, <laughs> I know how to get even with him. I'll preach the gospel so the guy who's in charge gets mad and takes it out on Paul. There's other people who are preaching for no good reason, just because they needed to be popular. And you know what Paul says? I'm not upset. It's helping the gospel. Why would I be upset what happens to me? Why? Paul's heart was right. And so let's look this morning. Before we begin to, to actually look at what it takes for our conversation to be worthy of the gospel, there are four premises. You understand all of our life operates off of premises. You're here this morning because there's a premise in your life that says, I should be in church. And that's a good premise. The Bible tells us we're not supposed to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So what are some premises we need to understand? Well, first of all, premise number one, my purpose in life is to glorify God. That means if you're doing something, is it glorifying God? That's the question I ought to ask myself. What am I doing today? Is it going to glorify God? Now, you can glorify God and not not go to church every single day of the week. You know, understand that. You can glorify God and not just be quoting Scripture all day long. You can. You can glorify God working with a welder. You can. Some of you, you can glorify God raising children. Right? One of the jobs that I will never volunteer for is being a stay-at-home parent. You can't pay me enough for that. They don't even get paid. Right? I don't even... My wife is, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you could, unless God called you to, right? God calls you to be a stay-at-home mom, praise the Lord. My wife has been a stay-at-home mom since, we, well, since right after we got married. I, mean, I get up in the morning, she gets up in the morning. I, I, my goal today is to glorify God. How am I going to glorify God? Not kill the children. Amen. <laughs> how am I going to glorify God? I have to fold laundry. I'm not sure how we glorify God by folding laundry, but we're going to do it. You say, it really, it's that, it's that hard. Am I going to glorify God? Yes or no? It's a decision I make in the morning. Premise number two. If we're saved, our life has been changed by the gospel. If you say, I've been saved, but my life hasn't been changed, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. You say, well, I do good now. That's not, that's not what we, we're talking about. Lost people can do good. Have I been changed by the gospel? We go into Corinthians where we find out that every man that's been saved is a new creature. It means different, not just kind of the same but a better version. Different. Why? Because old things that I used to do and old thinking patterns and old motives are gone and all things are become new. My life is for his glory now. And so I'm to glorify God. Why? Because my life's been changed by the gospel. Premise number three. My Savior lived a life marked by sacrifice. You understand that most of the people that our Savior dealt with while he was on this earth were not friends. At best, they were skeptics. 
We live in a generation of people who get offended. Okay? And should we get offended? We should. But we ought to get offended at the right things. You shouldn't get offended because somebody said the truth. Okay? We, should, we shouldn't get offended because somebody didn't do something the way we thought it should be done. Can I be honest? Nobody cares. Really. We, we have a general, we, we, me, I. Let's talk about me and you won't get offended, okay? I get in the habit of getting so excited about what I think we should do. And I miss the fact that it's not about me. It's about God. I have a huge picture. You can come see it. It's in my office. It's this big. You know what it says? It's a big picture and it only has a couple words and it says, it's not about me. It's about God. I got to be reminded of that. Why? Because if I'm going to live a life marked by sacrifice, it can't be about me. It has to be about God. So I'm supposed to glorify God. My life's been changed. I have to live a life of sacrifice and my power comes from God. You say, why are these four premises important? If our life isn't based on these four, we've missed it. We've already started off wrong. And so then this morning, let's look at this question. Am I walking worthy of the gospel? There are five things that I see here in Philippians chapter 1, verse number 27, that I believe if we put in our life or if they are in our life, we will live a lifestyle that is bringing glory to the cause of Christ and not causing hurt and shame. All right. So let's look here in verse number 27. The Bible says, only let your conversation be as becometh the gospel of Christ. What is the gospel of Christ? First of all, we understand in a, more, in a very simple way that according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the gospel of Christ is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Savior. That is the simplest version of the gospel. But how does that show up in our life? It shows up by us dying to ourself every day, by allowing Christ and bearing our, bearing our flesh, kill it. you've heard you have to wake up and kill yourself every day, all right? The Bible teaches us that we die daily to our flesh. And then allowing the new nature, the saved part of our life, to be the one that motivates us. But then if we continue to read here in verse number 27, only let your conversation be as becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. First of all, I find that if our walk is to be worthy of the gospel of Christ, it will be conspicuous. The word conspicuous means obvious, not hard to find out. It's staring you in the face. Our walk should be filled with the gospel of Christ. The conversation that we live should be normal for a Christian. Now, we understand that if we're going to be who we should be, that our actions will back that up. But being conspicuous with our life, all that means is when people look at us, who do they see? Do they see someone who's governed by their attitudes, by their actions and their flesh? Or do they find someone who's governed by the Spirit of God? You see, our life obviously should be for Christ. If we look at Matthew chapter 7, we find that Jesus Christ tells us that every tree is known by its fruit. And so if people stop and look at your life, what fruit do they see? You say, well, Mr. Davies, in 1 Corinthians, it says we're not supposed to be judged. We're not supposed to judge other people. That's not what it says, but you can think that. If you go back and read, you know what it says? It says, however you judge other people, you're supposed to judge yourself. 
So if you're going to say, ah, you're not doing what the Bible says, I better be doing what the Bible says. But nonetheless, the fruit that's on the tree judges what kind of tree we have. And so the question is, what people see every day, is, that a, is, it, is it a tree of God or is it a tree of the flesh? Is it something that points and honors and glorifies God or is it something that brings ourselves honor? You see, we live in a generation of people who are driven by their own desires, by their own lust. They want what they want. They don't care what other people want. That should not be a Christian. Christians should be the people who give and should love and live according to God's word. Our life in Christ should be conspicuous. But second of all, it should be consistent. Look what it says here in verse number 27. It says that we're supposed to stand fast in one spirit. Stand fast is a common term for us. We know this. If you played football, right? if, you, if you played football, I never played football on a team. I played football with my brothers, which was worse than playing on a team, all right? Because there was no rules. Whoever had the football when they crossed the line won, and whoever was left laying on the ground, conscious or not, lost, all right? The only time I ever got knocked out by someone, football, with my brothers, all right? What's consistent life mean? According to this, we're standing fast. That means we know where we're supposed to stand, and we are standing there because it's the right place for us to be. Understand that our standing fast begins here. If we have Christians who don't read God's word, how are they going to stand fast? If we have Christians who don't study God's word, how are they going to know how to stand fast? Our standing fast begins with God's word. It says that we're supposed to stand fast in one spirit. What spirit are we talking about? We're talking about the Holy Spirit. The guidance of the Holy Spirit should guide each Christian to live as they should. And when they look at us as a whole, as Fellowship Baptist Church, they should see, hey, there's a group of people who love God. They're all headed in the same direction. They all live as Christ would want them to. They all shine forth as lights in this world. But then the question is, do we do that consistently? Because all of us could say, well, yes, I did that, that one time. Or I, do that, I try to do that, but I fail. And I agree, I do too. But our life, our conversation, our lifestyle should be marked with consistency in standing for Christ. We have to be consistent in our faithfulness to Christ. Why? Because we pattern ourselves after him. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15 and 16 tells us the reason why we live our life as a holy offering to God is because he also is holy. We follow his pattern. We do it like Jesus did. Why? Because that's how we bring honor and glory to him. We ought to be consistent in our walk, being worthy of the gospel. And then, if you look at the end of verse number 27, we see this, that we're supposed to have cooperation. Now, can I be honest with you? I don't like cooperation, because it means I'm not the boss. If we're honest, that's the truth. Cooperation means we're all together working Together, which means, can, when I was growing up, you know what they used to say, Brother Bro, we have too many cooks and not enough tasters. We have too many chiefs and not enough Indians. A lot of, I, we are battling this in our family right now, okay? None of my children are in here, and they're not going to watch the live stream, so I can tell you. We have six chiefs that live in our house. <laughs> All of them are in charge, and they are offended that you did not do what they told you to do because they're in charge. 
You know who they learned that from? Don't say it, it's not polite. In a more base way, they were born with it. The default setting is sinner for every human being. And you know what part of being a sinner is? My way is the best way. Pride runs our life. And if we're going to cooperate and work together, well, look what verse number 27 says. It says, we're standing fast in one spirit with one mind. We all got to be on the same page. Maturity is marked by understanding that I don't know everything. When we get to the level where we say, you know what? God's will is what we're after. It doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't even matter if I like this or not. Me liking it doesn't make a difference. What's God want? What is worthy of the gospel? Am I walking worthy? Am I being conspicuous with my walk? Am I being consistent with my walk? Am I cooperating with the people that love God around me? We have enough of this fighting amongst ourselves, fighting amongst other churches. We don't like those people over there. Why? Because, well, they, they all leave church early and go to the buffet, and we don't get to get in line until after them. So we, ain't, we don't like them. Or, you know, we don't like those people over there. Why? Because, you know, they, they're, they're holier than now. They don't really like us. They think they're better than us. And so we don't like them either. You know, we end up with one of the, a bunch of people fighting against themselves and not achieving what God calls us to do. We have to cooperate. We have to be unified in the way we live our lives and interact with each other. And if we do that, we'll be unified in our purpose as a church, which is to glorify God and bring the lost to Christ. We have to be unified. And then, fourthly this morning, contentment. You say, well, Mr. Davies, contentment is, contentment is something that I struggle with. Welcome to the club. Content means I'm okay with what God, where God has placed me, and I'm not jealous of what other people have. But look at what it says. You say, where is contentment in verse number 27? It's right there. That you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together. That doesn't mean fighting each other. That's not what striving, that doesn't mean striving against one another. It means we're all working together. But you understand what working together means. If, if we go uh, farther back in the New Testament, you know what we find? Uh, the Apostle Paul uses an example of a human body. He says, hey, we can't all be the nose or the thumb or the shoulder or the foot. Everybody has a job. You say, wow. I wish I was so-and-so over there, you know. I could do a way better job than there. Have you seen what they do? This, come on, really? That's the best you have. You don't know any better than that. And we get cranked up about people because I could do a better job than them, but we forget we have to do our job. Which is, the Bible says we're fitly joined together. All the joints supply the strength that we need to get the job done. But if we're not content where we are, our conversation is going to show that. You know who sees it the most? Us. Because if I'm, I'm not content, you know, Brother Richard, you won't believe. You won't believe. What, can, can you see? Have you seen that? Really? This is as good as it gets. Really? Okay. Well, 
He didn't ask my opinion, so I'm just not going to tell him. I'm just going to let him keep failing over there. It's just, it's not my problem. It's not my problem. And we get so sidetracked saying, well, I could do better than that person. Or why didn't pastor ask me to do that? And you know what it is, if we're honest? It's our pride sticking its head up saying, huh, yeah, did you see the package that I am? This is where it's at, folks. The best it's going to get. And we miss the fact that each one of us is just a sinner that's saved by God and given a job to do. We ought not to exalt ourselves amongst ourselves, compare ourselves amongst ourselves. We ought to be content. Look at the end of that verse, though. This is where the rubber meets the road. It's, we're supposed to be conspicuous in our Christian walk, consistent in our Christian walk. We should be cooperative. We should be content where God has put us, laboring side by side with the same goal and the same purpose. But also, we need to have competency. You say, what is competency? Studying your Bible, right? No. Look at verse number 27. The end of the verse, it says this, that you may stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Why does Paul use that phrase for the faith of the gospel as the cornerstone of this verse? Why? Because that's the power. Go back to Acts chapter 1, what do you find? We're given power to do what? To carry out the gospel. We're given strength. Our source of power is the gospel. So you say, why, why competency? Have you ever seen anybody who just didn't know how to do a job because they didn't have the tools? I've seen that. Right? Or maybe you struggle with something because you just didn't know how to do it. I had the wonderful experience Friday night of learning how to keep a scorebook for a volleyball game. You would think it was simple. It's just a ball going back and forth with numbers. It's like rocket science. I had to watch so many YouTube videos to figure out how to do that. And then I got a game and figured out I didn't know how to do it. By the end of the games, I was closer to knowing how to do it. But you know what I found out? I was not competent. I would not have trusted me to do that. You know why? I didn't have any training. I didn't know what I was doing. Do you know what I find with the gospel? We're given the power to do it right, but our focus needs to be on the faith of the gospel. You see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it says that when we are, well, let's look there. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, turn back there real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 10, is the Apostle Paul speaking to us very clearly about how we ought to behave when things aren't going exactly as we would like them to. We need to remember where our power comes from. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, look at verse number 9. A familiar verse to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 9, the Bible says, And he said unto me, this is Jesus talking to Paul, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure 
in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. What's Paul saying? That's not about me. The only way I can be successful as a Christian is through the power of Christ. And so when I hit something I don't know how to handle, God can do it. And when I get into a situation where I'm not sure what the next step is, I don't have to worry about it. Why? Because God's going to provide that. And when I get to a situation where I, I know I have to do this, but I don't know how it's going to work, and I don't know what the next step is, and I'm not sure how this is going to end, and I really am nervous about this, I need to remember who holds tomorrow. I need to remember who has the power to give me the wisdom to make the right decision. My competency is not based in me. You say, well, we're supposed to walk worthy of this gospel. We're supposed to be living in a way that brings honor and glory to our Savior. But so many times we try to get it done. We try to get it done. And we miss the power. We don't have the strength that we need to accomplish God's will in our life. Why? Because we are so focused on, I can do this. I have this under control. I've done this before. And we miss the fact that God has to work through us. Now, our goal as a church and as a Christian should be to love God and to bring glory to Him, to give Him all of the glory that we can possibly bring to His kingdom. To do that, we have to live the way we're supposed to. But here's the question this morning. When I look at my life, if I'm going to be honest, when I look at my life, am I walking worthy? Am I bringing honor? Or am I a detriment to the cause of Christ? You know, you can be a detriment to our church. I can be a detriment to our church by the way that I act. But you know what I've found? People who cause damage to the cause of Christ, why are they doing that? You say, well, they just made a mistake. Maybe. More often than not, do you know why I cause damage to the cause of Christ? Because I'm not being who I'm supposed to be. You see, the Bible says we're supposed to be in God's Word so that we can be clean. And a clean heart allows God to use us. And a heart that's being yielded to Christ to allow Him to use us brings glory to Him. Why? Because things get done that couldn't have possibly been done by that person. You see, the cause of Christ is what's most important. We're only living worthy of the gospel if we're fulfilling the parts of our conversation that caused the gospel of Christ to be lifted up. It's, it, it's found, the, the strength of this is found in being, not doing. We, a lot of times, we have, to, we have to refocus ourselves on understanding that our proper relationship with Christ is the most important thing. Having a Savior that wants to spend time with us every day is the beginning step to being profitable as a Christian. Why? We spend time with Him, we got our heart and our mind and our will aligned with His, allowing us then to be profitable and to walk worthy of the gospel of Christ. You understand that the Apostle Paul speaks from a position of authority in this. Right? We could go through uh, some of the epistles and look at all the things that happened to, uh, happened to Paul, uh, all the situations that he's part of. But I want you to look back here in First Philippians chapter 1, and then we'll be done. First Philippians chapter 1, back where we started.
Verse number 27. The Apostle Paul desires for the behavior of the Christians at Philippi to so closely mirror the gospel that it doesn't just bring glory to God, but everybody knows it. Look at what it says. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. What's Paul want? He wants these Philippian Christians to live a lifestyle that brings honor and glory to God. Why? Because that news is going to travel. Because that's not natural. Us living for Christ and doing what he wants is not a natural occurrence. You understand the, a lot of times, why did you do that? Or why, are you, why do you, you hold that belief? Or why do you believe that? Well, because that's just the way I am. That's, that's not a valid reason. I was born a sinner. That's the way I was. Honestly, that's the way I still am. It doesn't make it right. And we can make, I can make all kinds of excuses as to why, well, it was too hard. I didn't feel like it. I, I really didn't think it was that big of a deal. And what happens? We get so sidetracked on, well, it's, is it that big of a deal? Is it important? Do I need to do that? Do I not need to do that? And we miss the fact that our life is supposed to glorify God. And if we have to come to Christ and say, Lord, change me, that's what needs to be done. Every day, we have to be changed to be more in the image of our Savior. And so this morning... The question is, so what? What's the point? Well, here's the point. If you're going to exhibit the proper lifestyle to this world, you have to be centered on Christ. Your lifestyle has to be conspicuous to those people around you. It has to be consistent according to God's word. We have to cooperate with one another. We have to be content where God's places, and we have to be competent in the power that God's given us. We have these five things in our walk. It will be a walk that's worthy of the gospel of Christ. So this morning it might be, Mr. Davies, I haven't, I haven't been living in a way that's brought glory to God. It's time to change. It's time to change. You say, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saved. I've never come to know Christ as my Savior. I've never, there's never been a point in my life where I've asked Jesus to come into my heart. And to be my Lord. Well, you can't walk worthy unless you're saved. There's two choices today in both cases. If you're lost, you can choose to live that way. It's not a good choice, but you can. The Lord will not force you to come to Him. But the Bible does say that anybody that comes to Him won't be cast out. If you're a Christian today, maybe you're not living in a way that should, that's honoring and glorifying God. You have a choice too. You can continue to live as you are. And if we're being honest, to bring shame upon the name of Christ. Or you can say, Lord, I want to be who who you want me to be. I want my conversation to bring glory to Christ. The choice is yours. Let's make a decision for Christ today, shall we? Let's all stand together.